Hey, it's never too difficult, those sort of questions, for Brian Kilmeade, who is, uh, he usually is doing double duty when we chat with him. This week he's doing quadruple duty, hosting in uh, prime time this week at 8 p.m. slot. New York Times bestselling author, co-host of Fox & Friends, and a nationally syndicated talk show host. And according to the good folks at Talkers, listed as uh, number number three, I believe, in the heavy hundred. Congratulations on that, Brian. Uh, same to you. You're uh, you're rising up the ranks too, dominating uh, dominating the nation at this hour. It's unbelievable. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you, Brian. I was very glad to see uh, someone whose ego really needs a boost. Uh, come on with you on Fox News yesterday, and that's Sid Rosenberg. Sometimes I get worried that Sid gets down on himself and uh, thinks that he doesn't really have what it takes to make it in this business. And I could tell you invited him on to give him the ego boost that he so desperately needs. So thank you for that on behalf of all of Sid's right. friends. Well, the thing is, you know, we all, you guys have a health care plan. <laughs> and you have a certain amount for WABC has a certain amount for therapy. Now, Sid's using all of it. Right. Uh, all the money uh, for the entire organization. But if I could get him on, raise his self-esteem on television, that's a little bit more money for some of your staff who clearly is unbalanced to be full time with you, Frank, <laughs> uh, to use some of that therapy money to make themselves emotionally whole. It's, uh, that's fair. Hey, this week you did a great interview. I think it might have been just yesterday, but honestly, at this hour, I lose track of the days of the week. You did a great interview with uh, Chris Christie on uh, on radio, obviously one of the newest Republican presidential candidates. And he was talking to you, and you asked the question I would ask, which is, and I think, a question that all the Republican presidential candidates are going to have to be answering, which is, what about pardoning Donald Trump if you're president and he's convicted? This was what Christie had to say. If Governor Christie gets the nomination, and if you get the nomination, you're going to win the general. So if you get it, would you pardon the president? I think it's impossible to answer that right now and be fair. Remember, the pardon power is the power to say if you if someone, you think someone's been treated unfairly, if you think there's not been a fair trial, you have to consider all those things. Um, I can't imagine if he gets a fair trial um, that I would pardon him. I can't imagine that I would. Remember the other problem. To accept a pardon, you have to admit your guilt to accept a pardon. You have to say, yes, I, I, was, I was wrong, and I, and I accept the pardon. I can't imagine Donald Trump would ever do that. Brian, how do you think that's going to go over with rank-and-file Republican primary voters? I mean, to me, I thought Nikki Haley nailed it. Nikki Haley's like, listen, I don't really want to get into the details of the case, but my instinct would be she would do it because it's better for the country. I mean, Gerald Ford... I'm not saying I'm not saying that Trump's guilty, but say the scenario is that he's found guilty to one of these indictments. You know, Gerald Ford's like, listen, we're not going to go through this whole impeachment thing. It's not good for the country. He's not a danger. Um, that's it for him. I'm I'm letting him retire. He's pardoned, and that that's what Nikki Haley says he's going to do. I'm not going to get into is he overcharged? Is Merrick Garland have an agenda? Did uh, Joe Biden go after an opponent unjustly? I'm just I'm going to end this nightmare for the for everybody. So it would have been to, I think, Chrissy's advantage to say that, but he's just being honest. He says I don't really know because, as a lawyer, he is more in the William Barr camp than 
maybe the uh, Jonathan Turley camp that that sees a lot of problems with the government's case. You know, one of the things with Christie, and I know you like him and you can't help but admire his uh, ability to communicate and his intelligence. And there's a lot to like about him. But almost everything he said as a presidential candidate thus far is about bashing Donald Trump. At some point, if he actually wants people to vote for him, isn't he going to have to offer some positive vision for the country? Yeah, I mean, he did in that two-hour speech he gave to open up. He did talk about that, and this is the week. The, the, the test, Frank, to your, the answer to your question will be next week. Uh, well, when the indictment – actually, I don't know. I, do we looking at a Georgia indictment next week? When we get past the indictment phase of Donald Trump's challenges, let's say whatever they do, they make the decision. And if he's still reaching back and just saying that that's the problem, but most of the time – those are the questions. He doesn't necessarily – I'm not talking to him about health care. And he'd say, let's get back to Donald Trump. I did talk about the news of the day in defense with him and play Donald Trump's comments about these being his documents and, and letting him answer that question. So if we're still talking about it and the indictments are done, I think Frank Morano has a great point. But right now this is the overwhelming story. With that in mind, uh, one of the things that's happening is almost all of the coverage on the presidential race, not just on our radio stations, not just on Fox News, but everywhere, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, it's all focused on Donald Trump. And it becomes very difficult for a Tim Scott, a Nikki Haley, a Mike Pence to get out and get any momentum for themselves. In some respects, even though an indictment is not usually considered a positive for a political campaign, is this Trump indictment or these Trump indictments, is it keeping any of the Republican presidential candidates from getting broader name recognition? Well, I'll give you an example. We put a request in for Ron DeSantis this week, and they said, well, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) So I was like, what an interesting thing to say for a leading presidential candidate. What do you want to talk about? Because I think that they're saying it doesn't really pay for us to come out this week and really talk. For example, Governor DeSantis, my answer was, you put out a plan to revamp the FBI and the DOJ. Mm. So he's not just talking generally. So we put that in. I don't know how they're going to respond. But for the most part, Tim Scott is grinding it out locally because nationally he cannot get on a show without the first three questions being about Donald Trump. So I say to you, January is Iowa. August is the debate. We're in June. They're okay. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see how this uh, all plays out. Uh, the pre- President Trump's former chief of staff, John Kelly, did an interview uh, this week, and uh, he basically says that uh, President Trump is scared blankless over these federal charges. You know, when he's out, out there at these campaign-style rallies at Cuban restaurants in Miami, when he's out there golfing at Bedminster, holding fundraisers, he doesn't seem too scared, but Donald Trump can certainly put one image out there to the public and have another image behind the scenes. What did you make of what General Kelly said about Trump's state of mind on these charges? They never got along. Uh, you know, he was uh, blocking members of his family to see Trump. He was trying to streamline the amount of people that got to him. He saw a lot of the knuckleheads that sometimes surround, surrounded him at the White House. He just blocked them. And in the end, they were barely talking. And I keep that in mind every time he does speak. I like General Kelly. It's so sad he lost his son in uh, battle. Sure. Uh, the highest-ranking officer, I believe, to die in Afghanistan and Iraq. 
but I don't think he was a good mix for chief of staff. I thought he was a great Homeland Security Secretary. He, I wish he had turned down that position of chief of staff. They thought it would be perfect to replace Reince Priebus. But I, I, you know, I don't think he knows him well enough to know if he's uh, scared. And I think that any human being who thought I could go to jail for the rest of my life sure. would be worried. But Donald Trump is atypical to any human being on the planet. So I don't pretend to know what he thinks. And I will say I've spoken to him twice in the last two weeks. And both times he was remarkably calm and insightful and asked me more questions than I asked him. Uh, you are once again the subject of uh, of questions at the White House briefing room uh, this week. You're filling in on prime time uh, in the 8 p.m. slot, doing a, a great job, even with the frequent Sid Rosenberg uh, contributions. And uh, you, you've been criticized in a lot of the left of center media for introducing President Trump's post-indictment speech as this is the president of the United States. And then there was a Chiron I believe in that same hour, labeling President Biden as a wannabe dictator. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre commented on this and some other people have have said this as well. Uh, Any reaction to the criticism that either you or Fox is getting for your uh, coverage of Biden versus Trump this week? Hmm. Uh, That was just made a mistake. I, I really did. I didn't even know until after the show when someone said my year, I just you introduce him as the president. I said, oh. Because, you know, I'm watching the monitor, trying to time it. I see he's standing back from the microphone. I don't want any dead air. So I just sat there. I'm looking in the corner of my eye, thinking about doing what we're doing now. There's no script for you or I. Mm -hmm. So it was very much like radio. So I'm sitting there going, I got to kind of look ahead because I'm on the screen. I can't just stare at the monitor. And instead of saying the former president of the United States or the 45th president of the United States, I said the president. Guilty as charged. But there was no agenda. You know, I'm just not perfect. right. I make eight so mistakes an hour. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, that's just it. I didn't even know till after the show I said it. Nobody was mad because, you know, when you see President Trump, you say President Trump. If he joined us right now, you'd say President Trump. Right. But I shouldn't say the president of the United States. That's where I made the mistake. So that that's my bad. I don't have anything to do with graphics. If they're good or bad, if my name's spelled wrong, I have nothing to do with it. So I don't you know, I just I have another show to do. So the next thing I know, I'm doing Fox and Friends in the morning doing the radio show, going to a meeting for the weekend show, then meet for the other show, and then uh, I look down and I'm saying I'm trending with some graphics package. So <laughs> I, I didn't even know about it. So it was 20 hours before I even knew about this. The um, You did a terrific interview on television this week with former South Carolina Congressman Joe Cunningham. Uh, this is an issue we've covered a little bit on this program, and that's the No Labels movement and their efforts to run a third-party candidate if it does end up being a Trump versus Biden rematch. And it looks like there's a lot of coverage this week that the the Democratic organizations and the Never Trump organizations are terrified that this no-label candidate, whoever it ends up being, it's been speculation that it might be Joe Manchin or Larry Hogan or someone else, there's been speculation that this could result in the election of Donald Trump and a lot of anti-Trump groups are pretty furious about that. Where do you see this no-label situation going, and what do you make of Democratic efforts to keep them off the ballot in certain places like Arizona? They're panicking, absolute flat-out panic, and that's with even name, without naming a candidate because they're upset about Cornell West, who is not with the no-label. I think he's just doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. So they lose one or two percent. We got a Ralph Nader situation with Bush Gore again. 
And there's a lot of people who don't on the left who do not want Joe Biden to run. I mean, Donald Trump's going to if Donald, whoever gets the nomination, every Republican is going to have a chance to vote in 50 states for the Democrats. They don't seem to have a choice. And they see how uh, how poor uh, President Biden is performing. And then when things do get done, it's nothing to do with him. I love when people talk about the debt ceiling negotiation. He was not even in anything. Anything When they talk about the infrastructure bill, it had nothing to do with him. It was all decided in the Senate. When they hear him speak, is it anything inspirational? Has he done anything persuasive overseas? So they're worried about Democrats, tired of the polarization. And we're just talking without even knowing if it's Joe Manchin or without even knowing it could be Jamie Dimon. Uh, If they lose 5%, they lose the election. Yeah, and some, they lose? some states it would take a lot less. And, you know, you're right that with Cornell West, whether he's the Green Party candidate or the People's Party candidate or whatever, if he takes a little bit of that hard left vote and then there's sort of a more centrist Democrat that takes a little bit more of the conservative Democratic vote, then uh, the, that Biden could have a, a very, very uh, tough time. Brian, they're still partying out there in Nevada with the uh, Las Vegas Golden uh, Golden Knights. I mean, this is uh, some story. Hockey's supposed to be a, a cold-weather sport won by Canadians and Russians. <laughs> These days, it seems uh, the uh, playoff picture very much dominated by warmer clients, uh, climates. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with climate change, though, does it? Exactly. And I think, Frank, you put your finger on it. Uh, <laughs> why are because the sun is so close to the earth, we are forcing hockey players to play indoors? And in the good old days, they used to be able to just walk outside in um, in uh, Serbia and Siberia and just play. But thanks to climate change, the combustion engine, hockey play, the great hockey teams are now in hot climates. So if we could solve this and then stop using coal, we'll be a, a better we'll, it'll be a better America. Brian Kilmeade, it's uh, always a better radio show when you're on it. Thank you so much. Are, are you on uh, at 8 p.m. every night this week? Yep, uh, 8 o'clock this week. Uh, and then, of course, we got 8 o'clock on Saturday. I have a big show coming your way. Uh, so uh, I'll be on 8 o'clock. Um, 12 of the last 14 days, including last Saturday. Wow. God bless you. Uh, all right. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, my friend. All right. Stay within yourself. <laughs> Brian Kilmeade. 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.